Second Chronicles 7.14. The Bible says this. The Bible says, If my people will humble themselves and pray and search for me and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. Praise God. Why don't you uh, bow your heads with me tonight as we pray and we agree. Lord, we come before you uh, this evening, God. We're so grateful for all that you've done in our lives, God. We, we thank you for your grace and mercy for our salvation, Father. And I pray tonight, Lord God, that you would help us. Give us understanding, Lord, as we, as we seek you in your word, Father God. I pray that our hearts would be open uh, to your word, O oh God, that we would receive it with gladness, God, that we would walk out of here different, Father God, that, Lord, you would bring the healing that you desire to bring, God, that you would bring the change that you desire to bring, Father God. I pray that you would help us all this evening, Father God, to walk out of here different, Father, that we would do all that you desire us to do in this world, Father. We're so grateful. We're so grateful for all that you've done. We ask in Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen. If my... People. And as I mentioned, uh, we kicked it off last week with Pastor Bob talking about fasting and prayer. And it was amazing, amazing service, an amazing message. And as, as I think about this topic, if my people, I think, of, I think back of my early years in, in serving God, where he brought me from, the, the things that I experienced uh, in the early years. And, and I'll tell you, uh, it, it, was a great, it was a great time. There were many trials as there are today. You know, it just... That's just part of the equation. Until we get to heaven, we're going to go through situations. We're going to go through struggles. We're going to go through trials. But I think back of my early days in serving God and, and, and all that I went through. You know, some, many times feeling like the minority uh, there in, in, in public school, you know, serving God, uh, doing my best to, to keep a clean testimony and to, to serve God and to live the, li live the life that he wanted me to live. I had to hold on. When I experienced uh, hardships and trials and situations, maybe in, in relationships or in families, I had to hold on. And I believe that's why we're here today is because you understand what it is to hold on to Christ. You understand what it is to hold on to your faith. When you feel like going somewhere else or doing something different, you understand what it is to hold on. To hold on to your faith to hold on to what God's given you and I, to what he's promised us. It takes a lot of faith to hold on. It takes strength. It takes resolve. It takes courage to hold on, to hold on uh, to your family, to be that example that God's called you to be, to hold on uh, to your marriage, to hold on to the ministry that God's entrusted you with. It takes so much faith and strength to hold on. But as much faith that it takes to hold on and strength that it takes to hold on, sometimes it takes that much faith to let go. Because there's a time to hold on. There's a time to hold on to those godly things in our lives, those things that he's entrusted us with, the things he wants us to hold on to. But there are things in our lives that we shouldn't be holding on to, that we should let go. And the same faith that it takes to hold on to the right things, sometimes it takes that amount of faith and maybe even more to let go of those things in our lives that God doesn't want us to be holding on to anymore. Here we are at the start of a new year. What does God have in store for us? I want to see all that he has in store for me, for my family, for my life. And certain things I'm going to have to hold on to. But other things... Myself, and the same with you, brother and sister, you're going to have to let go. 
So tonight, we're going to talk about this message, and it's entitled, If My People Let Go. Out of Luke chapter 22, we're going to read a few verses here, and we have to understand that if we're going to accomplish all that God has desired us to accomplish this year, we're going to have to let go of our failures. It's a universal topic right there. We all have failures. We've all failed in one way or the other, at one time or another. We've all failed in things that we say, that we do, that we think. We've all failed in some aspect. And there's a wonderful, wonderful person in the Word of God, um, Peter, who's a very colorful character, very colorful person. Peter was, was uh, one of the disciples, and uh, we read many things about Peter. We read many stories about Peter. Peter, I, I can say, if, I, if I'm having to, to describe to you who he, who he is, he was, he was zealous for the things of God. He was really engaged in, in the things of God. He was a fisherman, and God called him. Peter was the one that when, when Jesus was, was walking on the water and he visited them there in the sea, uh, Peter was the one that said, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to you and I'll go. It was Peter that did that. It was Peter who in the Garden of Gethsemane when, when Jesus was being arrested, it was Peter that drew his sword and cut off the ear of that other soldier. It was Peter that did that. Although Peter was, he had his faults, he was someone that was passionate. He was zealous for the things of God. He wasn't perfect by any means, just as you and I are not perfect by any means. But Peter was someone, if we could all agree, is he was someone that failed and failed miserably. But I'm so blessed in, in the Gospels that the story of Peter doesn't end with his failure. And this is good news uh, tonight for, for someone in this place hearing my voice and those tuning in online, is that your story doesn't have to be over when you fail. Can you say amen? Your story ha doesn't have to conclude. It doesn't have to be the last chapter of your existence, of your life, because you failed. No, for some, it's just the beginning of God's great plan that he wants to do in your life. It may seem contrary to what we understand or what we think. And, and I'm not saying that, that we have to, you know, to just give in to certain things so that we could fail, so, so that God could do great things. But it's God's grace that when we fail, he can still work. It's not an excuse to fail. We don't, we don't try to fail. We, we strive for perfection. Isn't that right? In the Word of God, that's what the Bible says. We strive for it. But we're human. And just as Peter was, his story didn't end there. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is dealing with, with, with hearts tonight, and that, that's been my prayer for this sermon, is that, that God would deal with our hearts. And I believe that tonight, as we have an altar call at the end of the service, that you're going to be able to bring some things up here in your life, some things that you've been holding on to, and perhaps it's failure, perhaps it's some of the other topics that we're going to talk about tonight. But I pray that tonight the things that, that you and I may be holding on to, that God doesn't want us to hold on to anymore, that the altar is a place that we could leave it and never have to pick it up Again, so I pray that for the duration of the service that the Holy Spirit begins to work and is working in your heart in that area. We have to let go of our failures. Here in the book of Luke chapter 22, this was here at the arresting of, of Jesus. Luke 22:54. the Bible says, So they arrested him, that's Jesus, and they led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed 
at a distance. Now let me remind you that, that Peter was the one uh, at the Last Supper that said, Lord, if, if all these forsake you, I will never forsake you. I won't be ashamed of you. But how does this passage start there in that, that very first verse of, our, of this passage? It says, Peter followed at a distance. He was ashamed. He didn't want to be uh, seen with him, so he followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. <laughs> Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. She recognized him. Peter denied it. Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. In verse 58, after a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I'm not. Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be the one, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, no. He said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, listen there, and immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. Prophetically, Jesus told Peter ahead of time that this was going to happen. When the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. And that's indeed what happened. In verse 61, at that moment, the Lord turned and looked to Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Here's what Jesus said. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny, me three, time, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. Now think of the inner turmoil that Peter was dealing with that, at that moment. For him, for, the, for that passage to end and say that he left there weeping bitterly. He was sobbing. He felt, so, he felt like such a failure. The one that he walked with day and night, his Lord and Savior, the one that he proclaimed that he would never forsake, the one, you know, he thought he was different from all the other disciples, that although they forsake you, Lord, I will never forsake you, he said. He felt like a failure. He went back on his words. He didn't fulfill his promise. He didn't fulfill his commitment. And on and on and on, the shame that he felt, the disappointment that he felt in himself. Have you ever been disappointed with yourself have you ever had self speak and called yourself every name under the sun man you're such an idiot why did you say that why did you do that why did you go there why why this and why that we've all done it the shame and disappointment that peter felt was a weight of the world on his shoulders he felt like a failure he disappointed the one that he that that, that loved him so much the one that was going to die for him he disappointed him. He went back on his word. I believe here at the end of this passage that says that Peter, he, he wept bitterly, that he was in a valley of decision at that moment. And then as we go on a little bit further in Peter's days, we see what Peter's doing after he failed the Lord. It says in John 21, 3, it says, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. We'll come too, they all said, talking about the other disciples. So they went out in the boat and they caught nothing all night. Peter didn't run to the altar. He didn't run to temple. He just, he was going to go back to what he knew before because the Lord called him to be a fisher of men. That's what Jesus told him, right? That was his calling. That's what he was created to do. 
But when that failure transpired in his life, what happened? He went back to doing what he was used to doing, uh, what was natural to him, what was, what was in his nature, what he was used to doing. And sometimes when we, failure, when we fail, we're, we're tempted to go back to what we used to do, to what we used to know before Christ, before the Lord called us. We feel that it's justified because we failed. We feel that we failed and there's no, there's no more hope for us. There's no, there's no way for us to get back to where God's called us to be. And we may have a distant hope that, man, if I, if, 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 if I could just get back to just being half of what I used to be in Christ, I'll be happy. And, we, and the, the devil's lying to, to some of us and saying, you know, you, 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 you're done. You failed. There's no use going back. He tries to lie to us. Peter wept bitterly. He failed. He failed miserably. Yes, he failed. So he went back to fishing. He went back to doing what was familiar to him. Brother and sister, if I could encourage you tonight that no failure that you've made or done, anything that you've done, it doesn't warrant you going back to your old life. It doesn't warrant you going back to the things that you used to do, the life of sin, it's not worth it. That's not God's plan for failure in your life. Yes, you may have failed, you may have made a bad mistake, but it doesn't warrant you going back to that old life. Now, the enemy will tell us that. The enemy will try to lie to us about that. You failed, you made a mistake. Just wash your hands of this thing called Christianity. It's not worth it. Go back to the way things used to be. It's a lie. Peter was in a valley of decision. See, he felt, he felt the weight of the world. He had failed. And I think back of the words of the Lord that were spoken to him in Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. It says, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, this is Peter, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. I think of that passage and, and what the enemy may have been trying to work in Peter's mind at that moment. During that time when he failed the Lord, man, he was on his own, he, he forsook the Lord, he failed. And I bet the devil was just trying to feed him all this junk, to speak into his mind these things, to, to, to let him know how much he was a failure, that there's no hope for him, that how could you do that? How could you do that to the one and only that, that, that came to die for you? How could you do that to someone that was so good, that was so good to you? How could you do that, Peter? Satan desired to sift him like wheat. And perhaps you're in this place and you failed or you, you're watching online and you can hear my voice and you failed, you made some mistakes and yes, they're bad mistakes. Yes, they're bad failures. You feel ashamed, you're in the, you're in, in, in the gutter right now. But there is hope for you. There's hope, my brother and sister. There's no reason that you have to forsake the Lord, that you have to go back to your old life. You may have made a, a bad decision, a mistake, but there is hope for you and I. There's always hope for you and I. The Bible says, as long as there's breath in our lungs, there's hope for you and I, brother and sister. See, we're no different from Peter. Peter was human. He was zealous for God, he was passionate, he wanted to do something great for God, but he made a bad mistake. He denied him, not once, but three times. So we can all agree that Peter was not perfect, that Peter did fail. But understand that despite Peter's failure, he did not go quietly into the night. 
that wasn't the end of Peter's story. I submit to you tonight, I encourage you, brother and sister, to, tonight that although Peter failed miserably, his greatest days were yet to come. The greatest story about Peter was yet to be written. God was about to do something great and use Peter in such a powerful way despite his failure. Be encouraged tonight. Yes, you may have failed, you may have made a mistake, but there's hope, there's a, there's a better day coming for you, brother and sister. It is said of Peter that it was Peter who first raised his voice and preached at Pentecost. Can you say amen? The day when the church began its mission to the world, this is in Acts, Acts chapter 1 for your notes, Acts chapter 1, verse 14 through, through 39. It was Peter who first raised his voice. It was Peter who served as an advocate for the apostles before the Jewish, Jewish religious court in Jerusalem in Acts 4, 5 through 22 where Peter at one time was trying to hide behind uh, something else, was, was denying that he even knew the Lord, and he was now in a place where he went before the Jewish religious court, and he was proclaiming Christ, and he was standing up for the apostles. See, his story changed. It turned for the better. Why? Because he made a decision that it wasn't going to be the end of him, but it was going to be something that he was going to allow God to build in his life. It's the same way for you and I, believer. We have to let go of our failures. Maybe 2022 started off great for you, but it, was a, it, was a, it ended in hardship or you, you've went through some things that, that you're not proud of or, or whatever it is. But I'll tell you what, that 2023 can be a turning point for you if you would just uh, learn to let go of those failures. We're not supposed to carry it. Isn't that why Christ died for us? Isn't that why we take on his righteousness? Because we can't be righteous in and of ourselves. We take on his righteousness. His blood washes us. So Peter, he had to let go of his failures. We think about Moses, who way back in the Old Testament, we understand the story, we remember the story where Moses tried to intervene with an Egyptian that was mistreating one of the Jewish people. Moses killed him. And Moses probably thought that, that his brothers and sisters there, the Jewish people, were going to receive him because, because of the great thing that he did. But he tried to intervene one time where two of them were arguing. And they said, Who, what are you going to do? Are you going to kill us too, just like you did there? And, and what did he do? He fled. He fled into the desert. See, he had a past that caused him to flee. But don't we thank God that Moses' story didn't end when he fled? that conflict when he had failed, when he had made that mistake. But oh, how he returned to Egypt and oh, how God used his life to lead millions of Jews out of captivity. See, Moses' story didn't end at his failure. And your story does not end at your failure. There's more to be written, but it's up to you and I, church. It's up to us. Are we gonna leave it at the altar tonight? We're going to continue to hold on to it. Because I tell you what, holding on to it and carrying that, it's not your weight to carry anymore. That's why Jesus died. He said, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Sometimes we think that, man, it's so hard. It's so hard serving God. It's so, it's so, it's so difficult. And I understand that there are trials and situations, but perhaps... Are we carrying things that the Lord doesn't want us to be carrying? Maybe that's why it feels so hard for you. God's saying, I didn't design you to carry those things. It's not your job. 
My burden is light. My yoke is easy. Why are you carrying that? That's what the altar is for. That's why Jesus died. Come and leave it at the altar tonight. Tonight you're going to have a chance to leave those failures at the altar. See, those failures with Peter and Moses and many others in the Word of God, those men, those women, they weren't supposed to bury those failures, but they were meant to give those things to God, to turn to God and give those failures to Him. See, the answer is not burying your failure and just, just, just suppressing it and, and keeping it in, keeping it to yourself. No, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, give all your worries and your cares to God for he cares about you. If we want to run this race with endurance, if we want to finish to the end, if we want to get to the finish line, we're going to have to let go of these failures and we're going to have to give them to God because they're his to worry about. They're not for us to carry. They're for us to confess and leave them at the altar and go on and do all that God's called you to do in his righteousness. Brother and sister, you're righteous in this place. You're a righteous man, you're a righteous woman. It might be hard for you to think about that or believe that, maybe because of the way you feel or the things that, that the enemy tries to remind you of, but in Christ, you're righteous tonight. Through Jesus Christ, he is our righteousness. Have you ever heard of the monkey trap? Probably heard this illustration before, the, uh, when, when hunters want to want to catch a, a monkey, they, they talk about using this object and putting, uh, putting a treat in there, uh, a hollow object, and putting a treat in there for the monkey. And what the monkey does is he reaches in and he grabs that thing and, and he tries to pull his hand out. And when that hole was small enough for his hand to go through it, and it will rightly be small enough for, for him to pull his hand out, but because his hand is in a fist, we've heard the story, what happens? They're not able to get their hand out. And the monkey is so convinced that, that that possession is his and that prize is his that he's, he, he will not let it go for anything and they'll just hold on to it and that gourd or that thing, that trap, it becomes a trap to him when it's really just an object. It, it, if he just lets that thing go, he'll be able to, to get away. But what happened? What does a monkey do? He holds on to that thing and that, that thing that he, he just values so much more than life itself. And I believe that's how our failures are sometimes. And I know sometimes it's easier said than done, but when you really look at it, if we would just let that thing go, we'll, able to be, we'll be able to be free and to go about our day and go about our business and do all that God's called us to do. But sometimes we don't know any other life than, than holding on to those failures. We've done it so long and it's, 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 it's become a part of us and, and, and we're just so used to it and, and we're, we're so scared at the fact that, that we should live life in another way, a life that is free. And I'll tell you, you maybe have been coming to church for a long time, but you're holding on to failures, things that you've done and, and you're trying to worship God 100% and you're trying to, to be free to do these things, but you're holding on to that failure and it becomes a trap. It's time to let it go. It seems obvious that all the monkey needs to do is let go of the bait and it can't escape. But because, it's view, because it views the treat as its possession and is not willing to let it go, the monkey is trapped and it loses its freedom. The same was with you and I. So we have to let go of our failures, church. 
We, have to, we also have to let go of our past successes. And let me, let me look, let's look at that here in the Word of God. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. The Bible says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. So there it is right there, brother and sister. We forget the past and we look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Forgetting the past and looking forward to, lie, to what lies ahead. Before service, I, I met Brother Maurice there in the, in the cafe and uh, I asked, how was your day? How was your day? And he paused and I know exactly what he's saying because if his day was like my day, it was a hard day today. It was, it was work or whatever you went through. And he paused and he said, it was good. And, and, and in that moment, I, and in that pause, I know that, that he wasn't saying it was a perfect day and there wasn't any hardship, but he said, it was good. And you know why? He says, because those trials or whatever they are, they're behind me and here I am in the house of God. Here I am to, to worship God, to see my brothers and sisters, to fulfill and accomplish what God's called me to do. It's a good day. Was it a hard day? Man, yes, it was a hard day. Some of you may have had the hardest day today. You may have just come in and made it in by the skin of your teeth, but you're here. Thank you, Jesus. You're here. You thank God for all that he's doing for you. So you came to the house of God, and you're here. It's a good day. You wake up in the morning. There's breath in your lungs. It's a good day. You make it to the house of God to come and worship. It's a good day, brother and sister. It's a good day in Christ. Forget the past and look forward to what lies ahead. We must understand that even if yesterday or yesteryear was our best year ever or the most successful year ever, we need to thank God for it and put it in its place and understand that it's the past. Now we thank God for it and, and, and I want to remember the good times and I want to thank God for the good times, the places that he's brought me through, but I don't want to let those good times in the past prevent me from getting all that what God will has for me in the future. Can you say amen? Because I tell you what, your days, there are better days ahead for you and I, believer. I believe that this year, that there are better days for you and I than what are behind us. So if we just live in the past, we're not gonna be able to focus and look at the future and what God has for us. It's time to forget the past and let go of past success. Yes, thank God for it, worship God for it, and thank him for it, but we can't live in it. Can you say amen? Can't live in it. You can't live in the past. God's grace is there for you and I to, to help us deal with the things of the past, but you can't change it. You can't do anything about it. You can't. It's just like worry. Worrying your problem to death is not going to change one thing about your problem. It does nothing for you. It's unprofitable. Just forget it. Thank God for what he's done, whether it's failure or success. We thank God for the successes he's given us. But we don't rest on our laurels. In ancient Greece, I have an image here just as a visual. In ancient Greece, uh, victorious athletes were presented with laurel wreaths to wear. They were and still are signs of great accomplishment unless you start resting on them. And we've heard the term to rest on your laurels means that you get lazy and complacent about what you could achieve because you're too busy basking in the memories of former glories. Let me say that one more time. To rest on your laurels, it means that you get lazy or complacent about what you could achieve today because we're too busy basking in the memories of former glories. 
It's a phrase that continues to have significant relevance in the world of sports. Resting on your laurels. God did great things last year for us. may have been a hard year, but God did some great things for us. God brought us, and here we are today, maybe the year before that. You had a great success probably in your family or, or, or in your business or at school or, or whatever it may be or at your job. You got that promotion, and thank God for that. We thank God for the success he brings, but don't rest on it. Continue to push forward. That's how we're going to accomplish what God's called us to accomplish if we continue to push, push forward. It's key for us, brother and sister. We can't rest in our laurels. We have to let go of past success. Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Yes, even success from the past. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We have to let go of our failures. And yes, when we bask in the past and we let it affect our future, we have to let go of those things too, of past success. Let's look forward and prepare ourselves and posture ourselves and, and prepare our lives so that we could get ready for the success that God's going to bring in our lives this year. Again, perhaps they're at school or at your job, whatever it may be, get ready. Clear the plate. Clear the plate so that, so that something good can come into our lives. Let go of the failures. Let go of the past successes. And lastly, we have to let go of, of offenses. Let go of offenses. You know, and all these things that, that I'm talking about, you know, it brings a visual to my mind as, as, we, as we talk about this. We have to understand, brother and sister, that we're vessels. That were vessels as, as jars of clay, perhaps. And a vessel, what's the purpose of a vessel? A, a vessel is meant to be filled with something. It's meant to be poured into. You and I, we're vessels. We're vessels. We're designed for, for something to be poured into. And if our life is filled up, if our heart, the vessel of our heart is filled up with, with failures from yesterday, if it's filled up with success from last year, then, then, then what room is there for, for the new good things that God wants to bring in our lives? You know, we become spiritual pack rats. And, and there's, there's no room because we have, perhaps we have unforgiveness or bitterness or, or past failures or, or past successes and all these things filling our heart and, and we're praying, God, do a new thing in my life. God, God, I pray that this year would be a new year like no other. But I believe that, that the Holy Spirit is saying that, yes, I want to do great things for you this year, but you have to, you have to empty your, uh, your heart of those things that, 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 that I didn't desire to be in your heart. You have to empty those things so that I could fill you up. So that I can give you what I want to give you, the Lord is saying. But we're so full of this and we're full of that and, 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 and we're just, we're overflowing in the things that God doesn't want us to overflow in sometimes. But God's saying, let yourself be, be emptied of the bad things so that I could fill you with righteous things. Battery died. All right. Joseph, uh, Genesis chapter 45, Genesis 45, verse 4. 
Talking about Joseph, we're talking about letting go of offensive. Now the Bible says in Genesis uh, 45 verse 4, let me just explain to you, we understand the story of Joseph, maybe you learned it in Sunday school, but let me just recap. Joseph uh, was one of, uh, one of many brothers, and his brothers, uh, they, they didn't like him, and they sold him into slavery. They actually sold Joseph into slavery, and, and, and they lied to their father that he, that he was killed, and, and they made up all these stories, and, and it's such an evil thing, right? I mean, Joseph was, if anyone felt betrayed, it was Joseph. So in the span of time, Joseph went through so many things. He was, he was a slave. He was imprisoned. You know, he, people, were, people lied uh, about him, and he was, he was a righteous man, but he just went through so many trials. So through the span of time, God exalted Joseph to where he became second in command in all of Egypt. In all of Egypt. Under Pharaoh, he was the most powerful man in Egypt. So a famine hits the land, and, and as time goes on, and as God orchestrated this thing, Joseph's brothers came to Egypt because Egypt had the supplies and the things, and there was a famine, so they came to, to Egypt to buy And Joseph recognized his brothers after many years, after being betrayed. What would you do? If you were in a situation like that, if you had all power, the snap of your fingers, you could do anything you want to anybody. You could have them executed, imprisoned, you could have them banished, you could have them exiled, whatever you wanted to do. What would we do? Genesis 45, verse 4. So here, Joseph's brothers, and Joseph knows who they are, but they don't recognize Joseph. Verse 4, please come closer, he said to them. Joseph told them, so they came closer, and he said again, I am Joseph. And here was a revelation. Joseph was now telling them. They hadn't seen him for years. They thought he was dead because they sold him. He says, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. Verse 5. But don't be upset. Can you put that graphic up of him and his brothers? But don't be upset. Don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. My goodness. Would we say that? to someone that betrayed us like that? Man, the things you would say, right? Oh, the things that you would do to someone that betrayed you like that. But Joseph's saying, don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. He is the one who made me an, an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me a master over all the land of Egypt, so come down immediately. You can live in the region of Goshen where you can be near me with all your grandchildren, your children and grandchildren. Do we hear what's going on here? If someone sold me into slavery, if someone lied to my dad that I was killed so that, so that he would just forget about me, if I then had to, to, to go and be a slave in someone's house and I was doing my best and my utmost to be the best servant that I could be, but, but that man's wife then created lies about me and tried to sin with me and then I, I just fled because I wanted to keep my righteousness. So, so then that person lies to me and then I'm imprisoned. And then I spend time there in prison. All oh, because why? Because I didn't do anything. I'm totally innocent. 
And imagine those things in his heart, they could have been festering there for years. And that's how it is sometimes, right? With bitterness and with unforgiveness. It just festers there and it continues to grow and, it, and it, just, it just grows roots and it begins to, the Bible says, to defile us. So here was Joseph in a place where he can get sweet revenge on his brothers. So okay, maybe Joseph finds it in his heart to forgive. Okay, I forgive you. Fine. You live the furthest away from me because I don't want to have anything to do with you. I don't want to be hurt again. Right? Don't we say that sometimes? I'm going to forgive you, but I'm not going to talk to you. Why? Because I don't want to be hurt again. And I understand that has its place. We have to be wise. We're not punching bags, right? But sometimes what we think is forgiveness is it. Because you forgive, but you shine them on. You wish ill will. You wish evil to them. You wish bad things. You, you, you don't try to, to help them or save them. See, Joseph was a, was, a, was a beautiful example of what forgiveness looks like. Not only did he forgive his brothers, not only did he say, go tell, go tell our dad what good news there is that I am alive, but he said this. He says, you can live in the region of Goshen where you can be near me with all your children and all your grandchildren, your flocks and herds and everything you own. I will take care of you there for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you and your household and all your animals will starve. Goodness. Joseph. What a heart. What, what a, a representation of family. Yeah, I forgive you, but just stay away from me. I forgive you. I never want to see you again. I forgive you, and I hope you get, I, I hope you get what you got coming. I forgive you, but, but, but. Joseph could have said that. But I believe that this, the forgiveness in his heart and the condition of his heart, his, a heart that was clean, manifested these things for him to be able to say these things. And we have to forgive. And we see the beautiful picture, the institution of family where, where, where Joseph was saying, I forgive you. And not only that, please come so that you could be near me, you and all your children and grandchildren, so that we could be family, so that we could be together. That's God's design. God uses families so powerfully. That's what this world is built on. That's what the kingdom is built on. Individuals that love God and families, it's so powerful. That's why the devil opposes it so much. Why the devil, that's why the devil works day and night to try to destroy families, try to bring division and, and, and all these things. That's... His, his, his master purpose is he wants to destroy and bring, bring division. See, I believe Joseph had the right perspective in everything that he went through. And I have a few pictures here. It's interesting. Perspective's everything. Now, you look at, at one of these pictures, and at first it may seem on, the, on the, the forefront like someone's just sitting there on the ground and someone's leaning against the wall, but, but look closer. It's perspective. Do we see it? That guy's actually laying on the ground with his legs up. That person's on the ground because it's perspective. It's not always what it seems. What about the next picture? Perspective. Seems he has big feet, right? But perspective of where his shoes are located. How about the next one? Perspective. See, our perspective affects so much what we see in this world and how we view the situations that we go through, brother and sister. 
And I believe now more than ever that we have to be in, in God's word more than ever because there is so much media being poured into us, man, oh man, uh, the social media, uh, TV, the, 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 the topics that are on TV, the commercials, the billboards, the things that are over the airwaves, the, the, everything that we see, there's so much media. And, and the Bible says there, there, there are many voices in the air and none of them are without significance. What does that tell me? That tells me that, that if I open myself up to this voice and that voice, to this media and that media, all these things, it's being poured into me. We're vessels, remember? How much more of the word of God should I have being poured into me each and every day so that it will cleanse my heart, so that my thinking will be right, so that my perspective will be right? See, when we don't have the right perspective, when we encounter a trial or a situation or a difficulty, we see it one way. But when we're in the word of God, perhaps we see it, man, God, I, I, I don't know what you're doing here, but I thank you, God, that I know that you're building me. I know that you're working something great. I don't understand it, but according to your word, God, I know nothing comes to me that I can't handle. The Bible says. I know in Romans 8:28, the Bible tells me that all things work out for the good. Now, see, if we forget that, if we're not taking the word of God in our lives when these hardships come, we forget that, and our perspective is all messed up, and then we're discouraged and we're mad and we're angry, we're upset. And, and sooner or later, we become isolated, and we don't want to be around people anymore. We don't like people because we've been backstabbed. All these things. Joseph could have said that far and above us. He was backstabbed. He could have said that. I've been backstabbed, so I'm, I forgive him, but forget them. No. He said, it's me. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. So he had the right perspective. He was able to proclaim that in truth, that, that although you meant evil, God had a, a grand plan. He had, he, had, he had a master design, and he's using my life, and, and, and now you'll be able to be saved. Not only you, but your children, your grandchildren will be able to save. And not only that, I want you to live next to me so that we could, we could be in fellowship and in perfect harmony. What beautiful uh, picture this is here with Joseph. He wanted to reconcile with his brothers. He desired to help them and to take care of them. And as the worship team makes her way up uh, tonight, Joseph could have said so much. He could have did so much. And, you know, truthfully speaking, it's like he would have been justified, right? Because, like, if, if, if he were to tell us, like, all these things that happened, like, oh, I understand you, yeah. I wouldn't want to be around them either. But no. He desired to keep a clean heart in the things of God, and he desired to, to let go of offenses. And I believe that because he was able to let go of those things, he was able to be filled in a dimension that, that, that surpassed everything he had ever went through. I, I believe that the love that he was able to experience was a love like no other, because why? Because he emptied himself of those offenses, and he gave it to God. He gave it to God, and he trusted God. And what happened? He was able to be clean and righteous and upstanding in Christ because he had, in God because he had, a, he had a right heart. He was able to bring joy to his father because his father was able to see that he was alive and doing well. He was able to, to forgive his family. And he was able, he was in a position to be able to help them. See, if we learn to let go of, of, of offenses, and I'm not saying it's an easy thing. You may have been backstabbed. You may have been, and, and I get it. 
don't judge. I can't because I, ha I haven't walked in your shoes. But I know what Joseph experienced. We read it. And he could have went either way. But he made the better decision. He took the high road. He made the right decision. And because of that, because he let go of offenses, what happened? His family was saved. He had a right heart. He was in right relationship with God because he let go of the offenses. It's not easy, but it's the right thing. It's not easy, but it's the thing that's going to help you and I. In Psalms 133.1, the Bible says a song, uh, it says, uh, this is a song, a psalm of David, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. So this month, believer, this year, you may have had some failures, things that we're not proud of, whatever it may be, but it's time to let go of it. God doesn't want you to carry it. He doesn't want you to just carry it through the rest of your days. He wants you to let it go. Let go of your failures. Let go of your past successes, that the great things that God did, and we thank him for that. But let go of it and, and, and prepare yourself for the new things that God wants to do this year. And lastly, let go of the offenses. We've all been defended. We've all dealt with that at one time or another, but but let it go, and God will, will fill us up in a way that I believe that we've never experienced before, and God will use us in relationships in, in ways that I believe that he, he's never used us before, and I believe that tonight. Praise God. Let's bow our heads as we pray. We